Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co hosts, Jennifer L. W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. These are unprecedented times that we are living in, and Jen and I both know that it might be challenging, it might be joy-filled, and it is more than likely stressful on some level. It's all of those things, and we hope that this podcast is supporting you and helping you through some of those challenges. I want you to know that I, Janet, am personally here to support you as well. I am a family coach and I work with parents individually. If you feel like the cracks are getting bigger and wider and you're losing your mind and you want more coping skills, you want new strategies, and maybe even you're feeling like it's time to really get to the bottom of his behavior, you can schedule a breakthrough session with me. I am waiving my fee until we are free to roam again, so it's totally free for you. We get on the phone for about 40 minutes and we talk. You can schedule a time with me at boysalive.as.me. That's boysalive.as as in Sam, dot M as in Mary, E. That takes you directly to my schedule. Fill that out and I look forward to getting on the phone with you. I'm here to support you as a family coach And Jen and I are here to support you with this podcast. We can all do this. And may we all look back on this time and know that we all did powerful work. And now, on boys. Does your son have a savings account? A checking account? Do you pay him a regular allowance? Or maybe he has a job and is earning money for the very first time. But most importantly, how are you teaching him to manage his money? Are you teaching him about basic accounting and budgeting? A Junior Achievement USA survey in 2019 found that 34% of American teenagers don't have bank accounts and rely predominantly on cash. Of those who receive allowances from their parents or guardians, 80% receive it in cash. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, one in five teens have never been into a physical bank. 
That was surprising to me. And nearly a third of teens surveyed don't have a bank account. If they do have a bank account, 62% use a debit card, while only 18% use a checkbook. Managing your own finances, dear parents, may feel like enough to take care of. Still, how do you teach your kids financial literacy and money management? Well, of course, it's 2020, and so there's an app for that. It helps you simplify managing chores, allowance, and saving goals with your kids. Our guest today is a dad of two boys and one of the founders of Jazby, a mobile wallet for families. Welcome, Benny. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So I, so you are also a dad of two boys. How old are your boys? 10 in uh, October and then almost 12. Yes, so I'm curious, sure. what um, right now, how do you handle money with your boys in your family? You know, there's so much discussion over, do we pay for chores? Do we not pay for chores? Do we do an allowance? Do we not do an allowance? And, and I'm sure you've learned this, we all come to our families with whatever we grew up with. And often we're shocked to find out that our spouse or partner doesn't think the same things that we did. And they have their own ideas about money. So yes, in our family, we do allowance. Through Jasby, you know, when we talk to our um, users and community, we see various versions of how you do that. So some people say you pay allowance. This is what our family does. We do a weekly, every Sunday morning, we do allowance. And then chores and help around the house and being a good student and a good person is kind of what's expected for you to be eligible for that allowance. But we don't pay on a pair of chores. So it's not go clean the garage or help me wash the car, but it's expected that if you see me wash the car, you come help. And then every Sunday morning, you get your, your weekly allowance. It's just a personal preference. Um, and I've seen it work you know, in, in either way. And I think both are perfectly fine as long as there is some sort of arrangement and there is some sort of an expectation. And I think consistency too, because I talk yes. to parents that are like, yeah, we paid allowance and then we kind of started to forget. And yes, yeah. But I think but, it, I, I personally think that it's good for our kids to have some money that they have to learn how to manage from an early age. A hundred percent. So, you know, I'll tell you one of the reasons of why I started Jasby uh, was exactly that, that I had this uh, arrangement with them on the weekly cash base two years ago, um, a Sunday morning uh, allowance. And when I ran my previous company, it's a company called Credorat, which is still a fintech. It's a, it's a global credit card acquiring bank. And I used to travel a lot because we had offices in like six countries. A lot of times, too often times, I just forgot. Right? Mm -hmm. So it came Sunday morning and I'm either not home or I just came back or I don't know what and I forgot. And there were times where I didn't forget, but when they were very, very young, I don't know, I used to give them $4 every Sunday and I didn't have $4, right? So either I didn't have cash at all or I had 10 and now what do I do? How do I you know, right. split the money with them? That I is a big that. issue for families because as so many of us have transitioned to you know, credit cards and electronic transactions, of often my children, and my children are now teenagers, but often my teenagers have more cash than I do. But I think more than also, one of the things that I found out a couple of years ago with my, with my now 12-year-old is that when we still gave him cash, he didn't really care about it. So I, I tell you a quick story that uh, you can hear from my accent. I was... Uh, uh, born and raised in Israel. I'm here for about 15 years, followed my wife and 
both my kids were born here, but I still have some family uh, in Israel. And a few years ago, before Jasmine, when I was still paying them with cash, um, for maybe three weeks, I forgot to pay Adam. My, my oldest one is Adam. I forgot to pay him. I just forgot. And I think on the fourth week, I, I, I was started, you know, it was Sunday morning and I said, oh my God. And I came to him and I felt really embarrassed. And I said, amen. Well, first of all, I'm sorry. But second, how come you didn't come and say, hey, dad, like you haven't, you know, haven't given me my allowance. And he looked at me and he kind of shrugged and said, you know, it's not a big deal. And I know you're busy and, you know, it's all good. And he was very nonchalant about it, if that makes sense to you. And the same year, we were visiting some family and I have an older brother and he gave uh, both Adam and Jonathan, both my kids, they, he gave them um, an iTunes gift card. Mm-hmm. Both of them have uh, small iPads, iPad minis. And I tell you that for weeks after when he gave them that card, if you walk in either one of them up in the middle of the night, like shaking them and tell them, you know, when they're still waking up and you ask them exactly how much money you have left on that <laughs> card, they would know it to the cent. And that's one of the things that hit me that physical money is less meaningful than digital money because there is less that they can do with it and less that they can enjoy it. And it's actually, you know, when I was their age, physical money is all we had. Right. But now the digital money is a lot more real, if you will, than, than the bill. You know, I uh, hadn't thought about that, but you are dead on. I actually have a lot of cash at the moment. And the reason why I have cash is because my 14-year-old cuts lawns. He often gets paid in cash. Another boy does a food service thing. He gets tips. He gets cash. But all of the things they want to buy are digital. So I swear every day, mom, mom, can I use your credit card? Mom, can I use your credit card? So they pay me cash. Exactly. But I have to be the intermediary for that. So you're right. Even Janet, um, like the kids that play Fortnite, they want their V-Bucks. It's all virtual. For about a decade, I was the CEO of a small bank, and I often was, was shocked on how, how many people, I think most people, don't get it that physical cash is almost non-existent, right? So if you look at all the money all over the world, all I, I don't remember the number, this is the tens of trillions of dollars, there is something like 20% of it, maybe less, that actually exists somewhere. So, you know, mm. it used to be a hundred years ago or, or maybe even less when we still had the gold standard that there was some sort of like cash in the basement in, this, in the big safe, the big vaults of banks. Or if not in the banks, there was some sort of gold that was equivalent of all of that doesn't exist anymore. So 80% of all the money in the world doesn't physically exist. It's all bits and bytes on the computers. You're bursting my bubble, Benny. It's, it's true. <laughs> and, and it's the same thing. So... You know, Jen, it's exactly what happened in my house. So I would give them cash and then they wanted a, a game on their iPad and they would come to me and there was this awkward moment. That, hey, dad, here's 20. Can you buy me this thing? And I was like, like, well, I'm, on, I'm really going to get your money. And I did because, you know, there's a point to it. Right. Um, so this is, again, one of the driving factors of why I wanted um, to start Jazby because I, I saw from my, again, my banking years, how kids don't know anything about money don't understand how it works but the very basics in most u.s states this is not taught in school i think only about one third of of our of our states across the nation 
have some sort of a mandated um, money management or anything, you know, re regarding money, and two thirds of them don't at all. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, you have young adults who go into college and go into their lives and don't know what interest is. Yeah. I read a fascinating um, uh, data point a couple of years ago. There was maybe 2017, there was a survey done, uh, um, you know, among adults in the United States, and only 30% of them could answer three or four very basic questions about money. So if you ask somebody, you took a $1,000 loan and you have 20% interest, and after a year, how much money do you own? And only 30% could answer the question. So 70% couldn't. And yeah. it's not their fault. We don't teach them. Right. Clearly, we don't teach that. And, yeah. and we don't teach it at home. But I, I still got to go back to this, this real live money thing, Benny. How do we teach our kids the value of money because we can just say oh i want to buy that thing on Fortnite," or oh i'm gonna spend this on uh i want a bike or i want an xbox but there's like no sense of what does a hundred dollars buy you what does five dollars buy you and to me like i i i needed to see the cash i needed to actually have the physical experience of oh here's five dollars here's a hundred dollars and our kids don't have that experience. So now it's just all kind of vague and virtual. The same with um, bank accounts. I still have a bank account. And you know what? I still have my, my bookkeeper laughed. I still have a checkbook register. I still reconcile my checking account every month. And she kind of laughed at me like, don't you do that all online? And for me, it's like, I can't compute it if it's all just out there and vague. I need to actually see the numbers on the paper and have that experience. Our kids aren't getting that. What do you think that the, the benefits are and the deficits are in that gap? So I think that's a great question. And the way I think about it is that for me, the philosophy counts and the logic and not so if it's, if you can touch the money, if it's physical or if it's digital, I don't care. I'm completely on board. You know, I don't use checkbooks at all. <laughs> um, and I'm completely on board with the idea that, that money is a, is a societal agreement, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, we take a, a piece of paper. It's not really made of paper, but just for the sake of argument, a piece of paper colored green and we have an agreement that it's worth whatever number is written there, right? Mm -hmm. So if I just give you a piece of paper and I write 10 on it, you won't think it's valuable because we have this agreement in society that that, that, that specific bill is worth money. It's worth, it, it has value. So I don't think that the digital money is any different. So I don't have any problem with it. Mm -hmm. My, um, the thing that I'm trying to do and, and what I believe, and this is the philosophy behind Chasby, is that financial literacy and understanding money is something that you act, that you learn. We have this saying in Jasmine that you learn by doing and not learn by lecturing. So again, I tell you something from my, my own uh, household. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to my kids about money all the time and about what a bank does and how a credit card works. Again, this is you know, it's my life, right? 
but you can see that oftentimes when you tell them, oh, it's so important to do ABC and it's a lecture, their, their eyes yeah. are like, like, you know, they, they glaze out of like, I don't know, 15 seconds and they're like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever you say that. But then if you, so a couple of uh, summers ago, um, both my kids play football and every summer there's, uh, and, and I coach, and there's this uh, little ceremony around buying cleats, right? Because they grow and the cleats from last year don't, don't fit anymore. Mm. And it used to be that we would go either to the mall or sometimes to Amazon or Zappos or whatnot, and we just choose cleats, right? And they would choose based on brand and color and say, hey, dad, this. And, and I'd buy, right? So when we first launched Jazby and I started using it with them, we have something that's called budgets. That you can say, okay, this money is for food, this money is for clothes, this money is for sports, but it's not for video games or, or other things. Mm -hmm. So I gave uh, my son, uh, I gave him, I think it was $85 or 90, let's say $90, something like that, which is, was one of the most expensive pair of cleats that I would allow them to buy. But obviously I'm not gonna you know, spend hundreds of dollars. Because <laughs> you could if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, so no, something reasonable. And I told him, listen, man, here's 90, buy cleats, and you can spend the entire 90 on the cleats. But if you less, if you spend less, the delta is yours. And you can spend it whatever you want. You can buy food, you can buy a video game, do whatever. And that was that. That was the conversation. 20 seconds, here's 90, you buy less, the rest is yours. That's it. The guy spent the weekend researching mm -hmm. cleats. And he bought one for $55 because he wanted the rest. Right? Mm -hmm. So that little exercise is more than 70 hours of lectures because... It's his money now, and he wants it, and now he does his research, and he, he could have written a small thesis for PhD about cleats after that weekend, and there's <laughs> no way in hell that I would ever get him so interested any other way. Right. But this is real-life experience. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, in general, I think kids, but boys especially, they need a mission. It, yes. doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter what it is, but they need something that they would go after and missions bring values. And then if you choose the right missions, you can, and if you have a philosophy behind it, then those values that you want to teach, they, they come embedded. They are inside. You don't need the lectures, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The second thing I can tell is every time that they ask for something, um, which again, I hope it doesn't come across horrible. We usually, you know, I think they're, they're horribly spoiled, right? But we try, to give them an equivalence of what that thing is worth, right? So um, again, a couple of weeks ago, my young son uh, outgrew his bike. Uh, you know, he couldn't you know, uh, ride them anymore and we needed to replace them. So we sold the old ones and bought him a new one. And I made a point of him understanding how you do it, what's the differences. So why do we sell the old ones? Why do we trade in? Like, you know, because it's worth, how much money is it worth? What's the equivalent? What else could we've bought for the same amount of money? So it gives an understanding of the value of the money. You know, that equivalence works really well, too, when you have kids that are starting to work. Yes. So, you know, my 14-year-old that's doing this lawn business, he knows how long it takes him to earn the money to buy, you know, whatever it is. That certainly helps him figure out you know, he can conceptualize if I have to work five days to earn this, that I got to think about this uh, versus, you know, if I work an hour, okay. And just yesterday I heard my 19 year old 
and I know he's a lot older than, you know, many of our listeners' sons, but he's 19. He started his first official um, full-time summer job. He's working at a Walmart distribution center, lifting, carrying, moving boxes, and loading semis is what he is doing. And he is big into fishing, like big into fishing, which any hobby, you can spend a ton of money on it. And I overheard him talking to his brother, and he had to drop quite a lot of money on some, some supplies because he fishes tournaments and stuff. And he's like, you know, I have to work three days for that. But if that means I get to go fishing for four days, I think that's a pretty good trade. I agree 100%. And that's ex it's exactly what you want. The understanding of the value. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits. And I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit 
buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. Another thing, you know, I read a few years ago, but a very, very good book, um, it's called The Opposite of Spoiled. I've heard of it. I will look it up and link it in the show notes. I'll list the yeah. author and, and listeners, you'll be able to find it. So that's something that, um, you know, it's still, I still think about it, but I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, in the past I was maybe a little bit more occupied by it. So, you know, I come from um, uh, my family when I was a, a young kid, uh, we aspired to be middle class and most of the time we were less. Um, and, and that's something that I remember very vividly. I mean, we were okay, but we, we never went on vacations. Uh, I, I don't think I was in a, inside a hotel until I was 23, maybe, maybe something like that. Like never. Um, and you know, when, when my kids were much younger and, uh, they started playing, so both of them played football, as I said, but they also played golf. And we and I joined together with uh, with one of them uh, a summer junior PGA tournament, and I would you know I'd be the caddy, and we would go. And I remember that I saw my son who is like at that time, eight maybe, with the white glove in a in a club you know hitting a drive, and it hit me because the, it's not a world of difference between how I was when I was eight. It's it's a galaxy of difference. I, I it's like un, unimaginable. And one of the things that I kept thinking about is how I make sure they don't grow up assholes. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Am I allowed to say this? Well, you know, oh, we have know. a whole episode about don't raise an asshole. So Okay, yeah. beautiful. It's a book. <laughs> so one of the things that, um, that is the opposite of spoil talks about is how to try at least and instill a philosophy. We split it into three buckets. Save, do good, and spend. The ratio is for you to decide, right? So any, every family has its own. And it, it doesn't matter, for example, to do good, it doesn't matter what you choose to do with it, but you don't keep it. Mm-hmm. So go volunteer, go contribute some money. You choose the cause, you choose, it's all you. For example, you know, we say 20% you save for a rainy day and 10% you give back to the community in whatever form you want, because not everybody is as lucky as you are, man. And the rest of it you can spend. Right. And then it's your choice. When my kids were much smaller, we got at like a fair, you know, you go to a fair and there's vendors and and businesses. They were these piggy banks. Mm -hmm. So again, Janet, you know, physical money, Mm -hmm. but they were these plastic piggy banks that were subdivided into spend, save, donate. And that was fantastic when the kids were littler. And as they got older, we realized that we had to be a little more, um, a little more sophisticated and refined with it. Because, okay, save. Well, there's, we want you to save for, for instance, for your college and your adult future. They want to save towards a, a snowmobile, a four-wheeler, you know, a bigger thing. So then we started getting a little more sophisticated and subdividing it. And um, Benny, I'm guessing that that's something that, you know, you will likely do with your children 
as they get older as well. You can introduce uh, more sophisticated concepts and, and dig in a little bit more. That's exactly the philosophy that we try to drive. So we can, you can save in a saving account. So in, in college or buy a car when you're 16 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is also saving in the app for a big thing that you want, a new bike, a new uh, PlayStation, whatever. And both of them are fine. So if you can do a little bit of both, it's the best. You know, save some for a rainy day because you never know, right? Uh, but also it doesn't all have to be like, you know, strict and, uh, and, and apocalyptic. You know, it's okay. You want to buy a PlayStation and you, need to, you know that you need to save now for six months. That's great. It only makes it better when you actually buy it. Okay, um, so I have a question for both of you, Jen and Benny. What do you do when your son is saving for something that you don't agree with or you think that it's frivolous or you know that it's going to break or you know that that they're spending this time and effort and energy saving for something that you're kind of cringing about? Where do you land in guiding? Where do you land in allowing them to Spend $100 on a big mistake. Ooh, I'm going to tackle this one first, Benny, and then I want to hear what you have to say. Um, my approach has varied over the years. It, again, depending on the age of the child, right? So especially when they're little and you know your kids. Like, Benny, I'm sure you've experienced it. Janet, your kid wants this thing and you look at it and you just know, A, it's going to break within the first week or they are going to be sick of it. It'll be like the toy that you got them at Christmas and they end up playing with the box instead. So there's times when I would try and talk them through that, you know, hey, remember that time, uh, have discussions, maybe if, if this is a physical object that we can see at the store, you know, look at the quality of this versus this. Ultimately, I have very much chosen to err on the side of letting them make those decisions and those mistakes because that is when they learn. My Adam, who is now 17, is on his second car. His first car, uh, me, you, every adult that we know would have said that was a bad idea to buy that car. That was a car that needed more work than it was worth. We all knew that, but Adam didn't yet. And he spent the money, he got the car, he... Um, he put some time and effort into it, and then he realized that it was going to need hundreds of more dollars worth of work, at which point he decided to sell it. He sold it at a loss, but he got some of his money back and then bought another car. Tough lesson for a kid, but so much more meaningful for him to learn it and have that experience with his money than me telling him that's a bad idea, because then I'm just the parent who's, you know, taking a dump on his dreams. A hundred percent. So I would say something, hey man, I don't think that's the best idea, but that's it. Look, if they've earned that money, it's their money. They want to spend it, spend it. Mm -hmm. um, I've read, I think his name is, uh, he used to be the president of France, uh, a gentleman, I'm probably saying the, the, the name wrong, Francois Hollande, I think. Mm -hmm. And he gave an interview uh, that was fascinating a couple of years ago, and he said something that I thought was really nice and, and smart. He said that his entire career, and the guy was the president of France, so he had a good career. And he said something like, my entire adult career was one never-ending series of mistakes. <laughs> uh, 
And I think that's wonderful because, you know, this is how you grow up. This is how you mature. This is how you learn. You never learn any better than by making your own mistakes. I'm going to guess that some of your biggest financial lessons that you've learned in life have likely come about because something didn't go the way you wanted it to. Either it was a situation that kind of got forced upon you or you made a decision and it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Like those were, those were where my big financial steps came from. Well, I will say in my family of origin, we did not really, I did not have in high school banking skills, money management 101. My parents did not teach me anything about money management at all. So I'm out on my own, an 18-year-old living on my own, trying to figure out how to pay for things. And I met my future husband and he was all about budgeting and he already owned a house. And so I will never forget our first biggest fight was about he was tre- like those big spreadsheet, but like no computers. This is paper and pencil, how to budget and money in and money out. I could not get it. Like it was so beyond me and it was all new. I had never, never thought in that way before. And um, so it was, uh, there were some tears and some words and, you know, but now, I mean, I'm living on my own and managing my own money, but it was never, it wasn't easy. This didn't come naturally at all of how to manage money. And um, so I think that we need to have these conversations, Benny, as you're saying with your kids and uh, letting them make mistakes with, with their money, but that, um, that they have money to work with digitally or physically and from an early age and that they get to to figure those things out and you share your family values of of giving and saving and all of those things and it becomes part of just their habit when we do when we teach them from a young age about that yeah and again i i always try to remind myself less lectures more doing Mm-hmm. You know, you want them Which to eat vegetables, so- eat vegetables. Don't tell them, hey, it's great to eat vegetables and then don't ever do it. See it. They see it. They, that's life, right? If dad and mom does it, then, you know, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, and and, that- and I, especially with boys, you know, yes. I, I think it's so important. The failures are important. Falling off the bike is important. And five years in the military, right? Again, I was born and raised in, in Israel. So, um, you know, you fall off the bike. Um, don't cry, man. You know, you fell. You're okay. You didn't break anything. If you broke anything, we'll go to the hospital. But you didn't, you know, wash it off. Go back on the bike. Ride it again. Don't, don't cry. I don't want to, you know, just leave it alone. Go do it again. Because otherwise, again, at one point in time in life, 18, 20, 25, someday, they would have to face a crisis on their own. Right? Yeah. So better you do it at six and then 25 for the first time. Yes. Here's my issue with, um, well, so much of parenting, to tell you the truth. I agree with you 100%. Our kids primarily learn by watching us. Mm -hmm. Role modeling is so, so important. Where this intersects with the money conversation is that, frankly, a lot of us grownups don't have a solid base. You know, what what Janet was describing is not unusual. A lot of us grownups have... A discomfort around money or we grew up in a family where we don't talk about that 
So can you just talk really briefly on, you know, how as the parents we can deal with our stuff so that we can be that healthy role model for our children? Depends on the age, right? But for me, it's again and again, what else can you do with the same money, right? So you're asking for this. Um, this is, I don't know if it's something really big. This is something that uh, we need to walk a week for. Or that, you know, if we go on that vacation, it means that uh, we won't be able to do something else that you may want it. I don't know, a karate class or, or something else. So even if it's sometimes manufactured, again, mm -hmm. honestly, you know, God and luck and, and you know, and we do well, so we can probably afford the vacation and the karate classes at the same time. But sometimes artificially, I tell them you need to choose, yeah. right? Because the blanket is always, always too short. And if we can do two things, but we can't do three or we can't do five, there's always mm -hmm. a limit, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to choose. And I actually like this choice because it makes it sweeter, right? Mm -hmm. If you have to say it's this or that, and you talk about this and you say, a, that A is going to be so much more meaningful. That vacation is going to be so much more enjoyable, right? It just is. And if yeah. you get both of them, then neither one of them matters. So, well, this really comes back to what Jen and I often say is you, we need to talk to our kids. We need to have the conversations. Talk about, you know, the house payment is this much and the car payment is this much and insurance. I think the kids first um, run in with insurance is when they're talking about, you know, 16 year old, 15 year old, I want a car, I want a car oh, there's insurance and who's going to pay for the insurance. And so those kind of come up naturally, but to have those conversations just as a family, you know, hey, thinking about buying this other car or, or as you said, Benny, going on a trip. Well, if we go on this trip, then we're not going to have X, Y, and Z as well. And, and bringing your kids into those conversations is just, it's, it's crucial. And again, we're dealing with perhaps some, some money trauma from how we were raised. And I definitely, I think there's a generational pattern of you don't talk about money. You just don't talk about money. And that was definitely my household. So I missed out on a lot. And uh, so I think, that your your app Jazby, which we we've, we've been hearing about, is a way to bring those conversations to the forefront and make some decisions around uh, savings, how much to save, how much to spend, and how much to donate. And that is just bringing it bringing it home for families in a way that can be uh, in small small bite sizes to begin with. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about? Jasby, this, this family financial wallet that, that is yeah. helping families. So I think one of the most interesting thing is that in, uh, in a few weeks, a month, I don't know, uh, we're also launching a, a special virtual debit card aimed at kids, hmm. all ages. Um, and that debit card is, is not going to be a plastic. Plastic cards are dying. They're going to be non-existent probably in five years. And kids lose them anyway. Yeah, they lose them anyway, exactly. But you know, the one thing they never lose is their phone. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. So this virtual debit card works on a phone and it works online and it lets you do the same things that you would do again. So you 
to budget and tell them, okay, this money can be used here and not there and, and, and so forth. And, and that again, in my mind, this teaches them and prepares them for a life, right? They're going to be out there and they want to buy, I don't know, a, a McDonald's, you know, they want to buy a lunch, they want to buy a slice of pizza. Uh, the more they can do to pay themselves, the better it is. So, you know, I think a lot about this uh, taboo around money is exactly because money is so important. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I read someplace, again, I, I quote people and I don't give them credit because I don't remember. I read somebody somewhere that somebody says that in the uh, Victorian, uh, you know, culture society, um, sex was a taboo the same way that money is taboo for us. Because obviously sex is no, no longer a taboo, right? Everybody right. talks about it nonstop all the time. Mm -hmm. But nobody talks about money. That became the biggest, or one of the biggest taboos. We just don't talk about it mm -hmm. because we are embarrassed. Because it means that not everybody is exactly equals and that offends us or offends some of us. And we're only making it worse. And you know, it's even more than that. People who are hurt mostly by financial illiteracy is obviously... The poorer you are, the more, the more it hurts you. If yes. you make a mistake, the less likely you are to recover from it. Mm. The implications for you are going to be much more difficult. Your credit score, everything, right? So I think we should bring this into the forefront. We should talk about it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that if you get your kid uh, a debit card, then you need to start spending hundreds of dollars. Give him $5. It doesn't matter. So you know what? It accumulates really, really fast. In whatever amount of money, even if just a few dollars for that kid, those few dollars are a lot. And mm. now it gets his or her brain to start walking and thinking. And what if I do this? And what if I do that? So, you know, you were mentioning um, insurance. Uh, my son bought um, AirPods, an Apple AirPods, mm -hmm. uh, whatever. So when you buy it, uh, it offers... Um, so he bought it himself. It was a Do big you deal. want the extended warranty with that? Exactly, exactly. So he didn't know. So he said, what's the extended warranty? What does that mean? So we talked about it, mm -hmm. right? So what if it breaks tomorrow? And how much is the warranty ratio-wise percentage to what you're paying? Is it worth it? If, you, if it breaks tomorrow, that's one thing. If it breaks in two years, that's another thing. Right. right? And then we started having. So I told him, you know, it's the same thing that we have insurance for the car or for the house. And he said, really? And we had the conversation about insurance. If I bought him the AirPods, he would never talk about this or know about it or be interested in all of this. But he came to me to ask just because he saw it and he's like, what is that? Nice. Yeah. yeah. We just said this in our Summer Slide podcast, Janet. Give your son a problem. Boys mm -hmm. need problems to solve. And that's a great way to begin um, having these money conversations. Give them a problem. And hey, if that problem's got some money that they get to spend, they are going to be all in on this. Yeah. Let them do the research. They will learn and grow in so many ways, not just the financial literacy. They will develop confidence. They will develop competence. They will develop research skills. So this is part of your overall parenting. It's not just now I need to teach about money. This is helping our children grow. Mm -hmm. yeah. They need a mission. Yes, right? they, they need do. the dragon to go hunt. That's right. Hunting yeah. dragons, for sure. Slaying dragons. So, Benny, where Isn't can... That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Where can our listeners find you and find more information about your family wallet? Call a family finance app and card 
oh, it's a, it's a very long, long name, but uh, it's Jasby. So you can uh, find Jasby in jasby.com. It's spelled J-A-S-S-B-Y, uh, jasby.com. And you can sign up and you can sign up, I think in a few days, you will be able to sign up for the wait list for the virtual debit card. Nice. Um, yes, it's going to be a no-fee virtual debit card, so it's it's risk-free. It's really nice. Uh, you can look it up at look us up at uh, the App Store. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and in uh, Lillerton, Massachusetts. Okay, I have one one very important question before we let you go. Yes, ma'am. Why Jazby? <laughs> um, it's an. You want an honest answer? Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. When I started Jazby, I had another name for it. It was originally supposed to be, um, should I say it? Never mind. It's supposed to be called Paytuna. Horrible. And when I started raising money for it, I had my first initial investor, and he told me, Benny, it's a great idea, and we're gonna, I'm going to invest in the company. But you can't have this name. It has to change. So I told him, fine. When choosing a name for the business, I wanted something that was as as much as possible connotation free so when you hear jazby nothing immediately springs to mind That's other true. Than jazz, right so it has no connotation good or bad so right. that means that we can pour into this the the message that we want we can associate the name jazby with whatever we want it needs to be easy to say so i had like five names to uh, to choose from and i liked the sound of jazby mostly because it kind of reminded me of just be so okay. I went for that. So there you go. I suck at naming things too. So I totally feel your pain on that one. <laughs> yes. Other than the boys, Adam yeah. and Jonathan. There I think I go. did okay there, but they would probably argue with me even on that one. I have a Tyler <laughs> and so did everybody else in the year 2000. So <laughs> yes. Benny, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom, your philosophy around finances. I know that it's been very helpful for our listeners to sort out some of their questions about how to raise their boys to be financially literate. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.